Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me as the shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe to the podcast on whichever device you use. Shark, I actually heard Luke Schencher, Georgia Tech national runner-up from 2004. Subscribe, so you should as well. The Big Aussie. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater to find out where the feed is. You should also follow me at Subi232 and Shark at Shark underscore Ultra BB. We're sponsored by Blue Note, artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in Memphis and honoring the Memphis Blues. Be noteworthy, Memphis. Good feet. Conference play is finally here. I, We're back from the I, holidays. I, I gotta stop you. I gotta stop you. All right, Luke so Shenzhen, baby. After this, I'm not even gonna go into it. I'm just gonna pause for five seconds. And if you have something to say about my name drop, oh, I prefer, I prefer, I prefer interrupting you, um, Luke Shenzhen. You'll see in our interview later in this uh, in this show with the Providence Crier, we talk about great names for Gus Johnson to scream out during a calling of a game. I am padlofing over the thought of him saying Shencher for two. Shencher to the free throw line. Shencher, the bucket. 
anything like that and Gus Johnson tempo would be phenomenal. But when you say Luke Schencher, that really brings me back. I mean, we're talking early 2000s at that point, right? 2004. What a stud. And by stud, I mean one of the uglier guys to ever be a good ball player. But he, I'm, I, I literally just Googled him right here. He looks like the, I watch Game of Thrones. I'm not a Game of Thrones fanatic or anything, but he looks like the guy. I know, I'm sure you don't watch it because it's Absolutely not a not. 20 minute sitcom that it's just cheap, cheap humor. But Luke, Luke Schencher looks like the guy north of the wall, the redheaded guy. Um, have no clue what that guy's name is. Kind of the big warrior guy that is a, uh, what are those? Yeah, I'm talking. You're the asking, wrong guy. I'm asking yeah. the wrong guy. Yeah, I'm barking up the wrong tree. But anyway, Shencher, this guy was a stud. Seven foot one, tall, lanky, super strong around the bucket. Great ball player. Thank you for bringing him back into my life there, father. Well, I had to. It was just so goddamn obscure and random because Georgia Tech hasn't been shit ever since 2004. You remember their head coach, Paul Hewitt? They also had Ishmael Muhammad on that team. Jarrett Jack was on that team. They lost to UConn. Actually, that UConn team was really fucking good, too. I think they had Ben Gordon and Emeka Okafor. But, yeah, I had to shout out Luke Schencher. But, Shark, you're right. We got a great show upcoming. Awesome interview with Mike Surrett, a.k.a. the Providence Crier. He's a big-time Providence College basketball fan. He discusses pretty much everything from getting kicked out of Madison Square Garden to the Friar struggles. So we have that upcoming, but first we have two segments upcoming here. First and foremost, last week in feet. So yeah, I'll so let you kick that off. I've heard some complaints from, uh, well, not complaints, some feedback from people that we've had, uh, our listeners to the show that we're not doing a good enough job at signal posting you as to what we're talking about there and throughout the show. So the way we're going to break it down, uh, moving forward is we're going to have, you know, kind of a recap on what happened last week because we're so close to the holidays. Happy holidays, by the way, Sue. Hope you had a good new year. Uh, hug for you. But it's a little longer than one week. So we're going to go back and find three stories that we consider good theater, and we'll bring it up uh, in last week in feed. Then we're going to have a segment talking about three different areas, three different topics for, you know, upcoming feed. And obviously, at the end of the show, we're going to do what we always do. And that is this week in feet. So it's a lot of feet, a lot of feet. And I promise in the future, we're going to explain the background as to where we got the theaters from. I, I, I know where it came from. I'll be able to articulate it to you, but I want people to kind of come up with their own thoughts on it. So anyways, last week in feet. Three topics. I like to think of these three topics. If I can think of a big three off the top of my head, relevant to college basketball, I'll do a little Raymond Felton, Rashad McCants, and Sean May. That's, that's my big three for this area this year. But anyways, the first one I want to discuss. Marvin Williams didn't make it. He's the only like serviceable NBA player out of those guys. Which is ironic. College basketball is a different sport, baby. Different sport. But what we're going to do, um, the big story is, I, I'm going to butcher his name, but everybody knows who he is. Yudoko Azubuke, Kansas's center, out for the year, tore a ligament in his right hand, brutal blow to the number five team in the nation. Uh, he, he is a veteran of the Kansas Jayhawks team. He's a staple in the tournament. He's vital to their offense. He's a cog in the middle. He gets the rebounds that nobody else wants to get. He plays the defense that nobody else wants to play. And now the Jayhawks are going to be without him, as well as Sylvia D'Souza, who's doing whatever the hell he is, he's doing as he awaits his fate. But this is a body blow to the Jayhawks. And frankly, 
you, I, I think you can write them off right now. There's no way in hell they're going to win the national championship without their their senior leader here. I mean, it's a critical loss. I got to agree with you there. It just sucks. Aside from all of the components and intangibles that he brings to the table and how important he is to that Jayhawks team, it just sucks seeing a talented college basketball player who's so integral to a big time, not only just a, a really good team, but a big time program like Kansas. It's it just sucks to see Azubuke going down for the year. I'm curious to see. Look, I'm with you. They're not going to win the national title. They're not going to go to a Final Four, I don't think, for a second straight year. Here's the big question. Are they going to repeat, what, for the 13th time, 13th straight year as Big 12 champs? I still think that they will. And if Kansas continues and and wins the Big 12, this will be Bill Self's greatest coaching job. Because he still has the talent, don't get me wrong, but LeGerald Vick is so up and down. The one constant for them is probably Diedrich Lawson, but also as a bouquet. And now he's completely out. They've just lost two, two road, two straight road games, one to ASU and then one to Iowa state, which they weren't even com- that competitive in against Iowa state. So I think the goal right now, and it always typically is for, and coaches will always tell you this. The goal is to win the conference. Then it's to win the conference tournament. That is to win the, you know, go to a final four for this team. A lot of pundits had them going to the final four as a repeat team. Can't do it with Azubuke. And I'm curious to ask you, do you think they're going to win the big 12 again? No, no chance. They win the big 12. And just to go back that to a few things that you just said right there again, and I'm going to hammer this point throughout our shows here. It's pronounced tournament, not tournament. So I'm not going to let that one go. I'm just letting you know right now. Um, Another thing that you mentioned, thank you for reminding me of my upset pick of Arizona State over Kansas. I know I, I buried that one like Johnny Drama. Thank you again. And finally, there's no chance these guys are going to win the Big 12 because they play, unfortunately, in the same conference as Texas Tech, which is tougher than a Confederate-era shovel right there. These guys, these guys can play. Chris Beard is a phenomenal coach. They have athletic talent. And frankly, there's no way Kansas is going to end up with a better regular season record than Texas Tech. And if they play head to head in uh, in Lawrence, in Lubbock, in Honolulu, it doesn't matter where they're going to play. Texas Tech is going to beat them. So um, that that's where I come out on it. Losing as a bouquet is a huge loss. And I I mentioned earlier on that he was. Um, I mistakenly thought that he was a senior. I was wrong. He's actually a junior. And this is going to parlay me into a, a conversation I want to have right now because I actually I got a tweet over the weekend from someone asking, Hey, is there any candidates for your Van Wilder house this year? And for those of you that don't know last year for the barn burner, I wrote an article uh, basically talking about this mythical house that I made up called the Van Wilder house. It's a play on Van Wilder, obviously played by Ryan Reynolds, who stays in college forever, eight years, seems to never leave. And, you know, the article I wrote was essentially saying, Oh yeah, you know, um, who are those college basketball players that never seem to leave? Everyone, obviously, college football national championship of last night. Hunter Renfro would be a great football addition to that house. He, he joked about he, Hunter Renfro joked about coming back as a grad, graduate player. Probably Get the could. fuck out of here, dude. Well, that, that's not. This is strictly for college basketball. So, anyways, I created this house, the Van Wilder house. There's a lot of candidates. I wrote an article. You can find it on the barn burner. 
really the big three-headed monster of the house right now is Jerry McNamara, Jerry Nat, excuse me, Jerry McNamara, Julius Hodge, and uh, Perry Ellis. Those are my big three. There's a whole bunch of other people in the house: J.J. Redick, Chris Duhon, um, Levance Fields, a lot of guys like that. And I was asked who. Oh, we, we, we admitted Ryan Archidiacono, Scotty Reynolds, and obviously Javon Carter was the inductee from last year. And I was asked, who are the candidates for this year? And I said it was a weak class. And it's a weak class strictly because for two reasons. Number one, the teams that are good, that have seniors and upperclassmen on them, most of those guys, they fall into two categories. Number one, they're only good because of those guys were transfers. See Nevada or Gonzaga. You can look at Perkins. You can look at um, you know the brothers in Nevada. Those guys were transfers to show up there. So they haven't been staples on that same team showing up in the tournament over and over again. So we don't think that they've been around forever. The other category is the teams that are very good with their best players being juniors and seniors. They, weren't, they haven't been that good that long. And an example of that is going to be, you know, Tennessee, Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams. Those guys, we've only been in the tournament for two years now. Nobody's known Admiral Schofield and Grant Williams dating back to when they were freshmen and sophomores. So how can you think that they have been around forever as if it's a Van Wilder? Other guy would be like Ethan Happ at Wisconsin. Hasn't played enough, hasn't been good enough for the full four years that he's there. Otherwise, if they were making the tournament, playing in Sweet 16 games, everyone would definitely be saying, oh, that guy's just like John Shire. He never goes away. That, that's why they aren't around. Long way of saying, I know we're talking about Azebuke right now. Azebuke would have been a perfect candidate if Kansas was playing in an Elite Eight game. Everyone's going to say, that huge center, that Nigerian guy, he's still there, Azebuke? He would have been a perfect candidate, but now we're going to miss out on it. So really the only nominee I think is going to be inducted into the Van Wilder house this year is going to be Luke May at North Carolina. Guy's been there forever. And it seems as if that shot against Kentucky happened four years ago. So yeah, that sucks though for, for Azubuke and Kansas. One thing before we move on off this topic regarding the big 12, I think you're underestimating how much those teams love to just shit themselves as it pertains to taking a stranglehold of the conference. Texas Tech's really good. I'm not putting it past any of those teams. Texas, Texas Tech, your boys, Kansas State, your boys. I'm not putting it past any of those guys to completely wet their pants and let Kansas win their 13th or 14th, whatever it is, straight Big title. I, I'd be with you, but Texas Tech is kind of proven at this point, at least in my opinion. They played in a lead eight game um, last year, and I, they beat the shit out of Purdue in that Sweet 16 game. So I, I think they're there. I think they're tough. Uh, obviously, they played Duke very well the other, the other week. Texas Tech's going to run away with this thing. So the next topic um, from last week in feet is – I have to bring this up because I know it happened on New Year's Eve, actually, but one of my favorite coaches of all time, Ricky Patino. How can you hate this guy? Rick Patino takes a job in the Euro League. I'm going to butcher this pronunciation as well. It's the team in Athens, Panathinaikos. Panathinaikos. Sorry for all the Greeks out there. You know the team I'm talking about. He's coaching a Greek team. And I went and I, I'm kind of following him because I initially saw his, uh, his, his introduction photo um, as a head coach. <laughs> just, it looks like a 
mugshot of a guy caught jerking off in some bathroom on a, a truck stop somewhere. It, it just looks horrible. And he looks so unhappy to be there. I'm sure he's applying for the UCLA job every single day, trying to get into the NBA if he can, doing everything he possibly can. But he's out there coaching in Athens. And I, I'm following him. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the, the, this team. Uh, Rick Pitino's 2-1, just suffered his first loss, tough loss. They lost to the rival team, Olympiacos. Again, I apologize to the Greeks if I'm mispronouncing anything. I think you got that right. Yeah, but Panathinaikos. Panathinaikos. Sorry, again. But anyways, um, so Patino's out there. uh, As I looked into this league, and you want to talk about like going down a rabbit hole on the internet, start clicking around the Euro League. They got 30 teams. It's all over Europe. You got them in Moscow. You got them in Barcelona, Madrid. There's college basketball players that were very good playing in these leagues. It's competitive and it's, it's actually kind of fascinating to look into. And where I'm going with this is the captain of Rick Patino's Panathinaikos is Nick Calathes. Florida. Oh, Memphis too. They loved him. Oh, that's right. They loved him. He was balding back then and it gets even better than this. All right. So Calathes is the captain, you know, Offense runs through him. I'm on Wikipedia. All right. I'm in the, I'm in a rabbit hole. Like you can't even believe I'm going, I'm bouncing around on the history of the league, how it started, the history of the franchise. I'm ending up on, uh, Calathes. and you can see the roster of the team there. And it's going to show the flag of their origin next to their name. So for instance, other guys on the team were James Gist that he, he played at Maryland. Obviously the American flag is going to be right next to him. Deshaun Thomas, he played at Ohio state. The American flag is going to be right next to him. Keith Langford, Michigan state, the American flag is going to be right next to him to show their nationality. Nick Calathes, Greek, Greek flag. Uh, he, was born, he was born in Florida. He's <laughs> I mean, fully immersed. He's Panathinaikos pride, baby. This, he is all in. Captain led by Rick Patino. I love it. I'm going to follow this team until Patino takes another job, but I'm all in on these guys. I can't wait to see how the season unfolds. I love that move. It's, it's literally like the people that go study abroad and come back to the United States after like six months or so. And they're all of a sudden, you know, they're smoking a cigarette or they're wearing a beret and they, they, when they clap for a game, they'll do the soccer clap where they, they raise it above their forehead rather than yeah. just like a normal American clap. They'll do that stupid little soft clap where they're raising it above their foot. You know what I'm talking about? Just watch any soccer game and the, they the, the, they're coming back and they describe everything beautiful. Like it's the most mundane thing in the world, but they'll call it beautiful. That's a very European thing. Calathes is fully immersed in it, putting the Greek flag right next to his name. I love this team. Dupe. I think he's got dual citizenship. So first of all, let me take a step he does, back he here. Does. He's Greek national. Right. No, no, no. I, I, I get, I get your point. I get your point, but it's not as if he's, it would be like me saying, putting the Indian flag next to my name when I just have like, I'm a hundred percent Indian. I have no other fiber in my being, but I'm not a citizen at all. At least he's a citizen. Number one. Number two, if you're going to come at me for my pronunciation or pronunciation, first of all, of tournament, I'm going to come at you for the pronunciation of Nick Calathis. It's Calathis. Don't need to stress the E there. Nick Calathis. Number two, I'm ready to call Rick Patino the real Greek freak. I've got to start calling him the Greek freak. If we're going to call Antetokounmpo the Greek freak here, Greeks got to start calling him the Greek freak because once they start unraveling 
and peeling back the onion. I don't think Greek fans know about Rick Pitino's off-court issues. I don't think they understand his sexual prowess. And look, aside from crippling economic failure in Greece, they got some pretty good-looking women. Now, I'm basing this off of my 2004 visit to Athens when I was 14 years old and like going through puberty, I was pretty horny little bugger at that point. So I can't really tell you if the Greek women are are beautiful, but they're in Europe. And I know Patino, I I just picture Patino right now sitting outside at a cafe, shoveling down some souvlaki, really getting into the immersing himself into the Greek culture. Actually, wouldn't it be funny if him and Kalathis just, just roomed up together. Kalathis would be the perfect little buffer right? He's American. He's born in Florida, but he also has Greek roots as well. Yeah. Well, I feel like Kalathis wouldn't say that he's from America. He's definitely speaking Greek full on at this point when he throws that flag next to his name. And I hate to burst your bubble on your 2004 memory lane that we just went down here, but I've been to Athens a little more recent than you. I was there in 2011 and I will call it the most disgusting European city that I've ever been to. So I imagine Rick Pitino is miserable there and that's reflected in his coach's photo, which is again, if you guys are listening to the show, just go Google it on your phone right now. You got to see this picture. Well, real quick before we move on at the end of the day, Rick Pitino's back coaching, baby. That's all. I I think we all need to be thrilled about that. I'm so over people calling him a scumbag, which obviously he is. Just embrace it. He's, I, I love it, man. I, I'm just I, glad that he's back. I'm so glad he's back. And you know, early earlier in um, a couple shows ago, I brought up the fact that I also love Jim Calhoun, and I wanted to bring up the fact that he's coaching at uh, some uh, small. Division three school, St. Joseph's and Hartford, and no big deal. They're nine and five. Calhoun's got the boys playing well right now. The Blue Hens or the Blue Jays, whatever they are. But Patino, I'm on board with the Panadopoulos here. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Let's go. Also, they have another guy on their team. His name is Nikos Papas. You can't get more Greek than that name right there. No, definitely not. So, yeah. All right. Final topic to bring up um, from last week in Thebes or whatever the hell we're calling that. Um, UCLA. This is I'm going to have to rely on your expertise a little bit here. As we know, I picked UCLA to win the championship a couple of years ago when they had Lonzo and Welsh and TJ Leaf and Bryce Alford, and they stabbed me in the back. So um, I was all aboard firing Steve Alford, and they they finally done it. So he was fired. Um, I believe it was shortly before the new year. Kind of strange to do it this early in the season, uh, but they did it. So Sue, talk to me. Look, I'm a humble guy, but I'm going to kiss my big brown ass on this one. Got to make like Kanye kiss my whole ass on this one because I called this first episode, first show. I said Steve Alford was going to be the first coach, big name coach, to get canned, and lo and behold, he did. Now, to your point about how early it was, I was even shocked by that. He this This dude didn't even make it to 2019. That is a incredible level of ineptitude from from steve alford and he's been on the shortest leash for about two years now they lost to the to the bonnies last year with aaron holiday right in the play-in game you got you got adrian wojernowski just two-stepping all over ucla woj a saint bonnie's alum is shitting on a basketball which should be a basketball powerhouse in ucla that should have been the final straw 
but they gave Alfred this chance. He's got good talent. It just never came to fruition. What a lukewarm tenure for, for Steve Alfred. But like I said, I knew this was coming. So I also can't kiss my asshole uh, that much because this was kind of a layup. You know, in the, you ever watched that? So Raven Raven had these premonitions, these future visions, and they would come true. This was such a layup. Steve Alfred was so bad for so long at such a big name school that there was no way they were going to keep him around. And part of me is happy because I got that prediction, right? But the other part of me, the Arizona fan in me hates it because Steve Alfred sucks so much that there was always that chance that he was going to screw up a game. And he did that plenty of times. Now UCLA, you talk about Rick Pitino and him potentially applying there, them saying that they're open maybe to having him coach. I would love that. I would absolutely love Rick Pitino at UCLA. It would give the conference a boost in notoriety. It would take the Arizona UCLA rivalry up to, to the next notch. It would feature two guys that America has already deemed complete greaseballs and Sean Miller and Rick Pitino. And they're just out on the West coast battling. So UCLA they've hit hard times and you can already tell though with Alfred gone, these guys are playing so much harder for the interim head coach. I think they hated Steve Alford and I don't think they could have expressed it because Steve Alford's had like 15 sons come through UCLA. So, well, no, that was his problem. And I said, the only way he can save his job if he is, if he has another son come through, but Bryce carried him for four years. Right. But at the end of the day, this, they're playing a little bit, harder now and in the open wide open pack 12 who knows they could still end up winning the conference in regular season and also the pack 12 tournament but ucla let me get your thoughts on this generally speaking i don't think it's a big time job anymore there they used to be with kevin love and russell westbrook they used to like once once they left that was around the time where they were up there in terms of coaching places with Kentucky, Duke, Carolina, Michigan state, right? I would, I would have put them in that top upper tier. They're no longer there anymore. Yeah. That's, it was only like 10 or so years ago. I I think they're definitely still there. They they were playing in sweet 16s and elite eights relatively recently as well. I think it's definitely still a premier program. So I I think it's going to attract a lot of big name talent. Now it's just a matter of who, they want to bring into poly pavilion over there, but that whole era with Ben Allen as their coach. And that's why I think that the guy that they're probably going to end up hiring, assuming TCU has a good year is going to be Jamie Dixon. Cause Jamie Dixon was a disciple of Ben Allen. Uh, Jamie Dixon is from the LA area. And it seems like a, he also, this is a big, big uh, contributing factor. He slicks his hair back. That's nice to have, especially in the glitz and glamour of LA. Um, and that's something I, I think he can recruit too. So he, he's done very well at TCU. He's not, he's not staying at TCU long-term. And if TCU does have a good, you know, run again this year, I think he's going to be the next UCLA coach. But yeah, Steve Alford finally is gone. UCLA fans are even thrilled about that as well. Despite the fact that it adds a little bit more turmoil to an already bad program. Uh, and just even more shitty news for the Pac-12. So that's my take on Steve Alford right there. Yeah, other candidates I've heard for the job would just be, uh, obviously I'm pulling for Patino. I need, I need Rick back in the game here. 
I'm, I'm pulling for Patino also. We talked the other episode about the guy from South Dakota State, the one who – Otzenberger. Otzenberger. He should, why did he resign already? I, he, he can't coach at UCLA. It's, that's too big of a scene for old TJ there. Washington State's the perfect job for him. I don't know what the fuck that guy was doing, but cool. hey, whatever. All right, let's move on now to upcoming feet here, Shark. First and foremost, I want to give a big shout-out to Brian Peretta because he has been with us since day one, and I know he's going to be listening to this podcast. He shouts us out on Twitter. He is a great, great listener. And so he tweeted at me. He said, hey, no love for the Johnnies. And so I was kind of reserved along with the Seth Davises of the world where I said, Johnnies haven't really done anything to impress me just yet. And to be quite frank, they still haven't, but I wanted to give them a shout-out. But I also wanted to give the Johnnies a shout-out because entering this week on Monday, they were finally ranked. They were ranked at 24 now just a few hours ago after you know, we're recording this right now. A few hours ago, they lost to Villanova on the road, but they did hold a 13-point lead at one point. And I thought I picked them to win tonight, and they were more than competitive. So Chris Mullen's done a great job with, with the Johnnies having them ranked. I can't remember the last time St. John's in the basketball Mecca, right? They're in New York city. They should be, they're surrounded by the talent. They just have never been able to put it together. Chris Mullen finally able to get his players to play together. They've had a scorching hot start to the season. They are going to be tournament bound, which I can't remember the last time that happened. So I want to give a big old hug to not only Peretta, but also the Johnnies for finally being ranked. Now, it's not going to be a very long-lasting hug because they're probably going to be bumped out of the top 25 with this loss to an unranked Villanova team. But the Johnnies are going to be a really fun team to watch, and they're a front runner, at least one of the front runners to win the Big East, uh, along with Marquette. Seeing St. John's, and I, I'm with you with the shout out to Brian Peretta. I, I know he's a huge Chris Mullen fan, um, so I hope it works out for Chris coaching the the Johnnies moving forward. I I've heard a lot of rumblings about the loyal fan base that don't like his in-game coaching. Obviously he can recruit because of his name, but we'll see how sustainable that is uh, for the Johnnies. But I really like watching this team and I'm going back to last year and remember that game against Duke. Uh, It was like an early Sunday game when Shamari Pons was just going off that it's performances like that when you just got a stud ball player that make you miss the old big East when it's happening in the garden and you got a a guy that's just lighting it up. And it was kind of like Kemba Walker type performance. I know that's not the old big East, but that's what this guy is. Ponds is incredible. I think I'm I'm kind of surprised he's still at St. John's right now. I don't know how uh, much his game is going to translate to the NBA. I think it would. He's a scorer. And he can distribute as well. But I, I hope they hang on. I mean, I mean, who, who, who hates St. John's? You know, they, they, they've been so irrelevant for so long that they don't really have that big of a rival. I mean, they're playing in the Big East, so I guess the Providence Crier might not like them that much, but we'll, we didn't ask him that question. But that's something that might pop up later on. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. In terms of Shimori Pons, man, that guy is awesome. There was this one play. I don't know if you watched the Georgetown game. There was this one play in overtime, locked up in a tight one, Georgetown and St. John's. Georgetown's got a two-on-one. Georgetown player goes to lob the ball for an alley-oop, and Pons just goes up Inspector Gadget style. 
palms it, intercepts the ball, leads the break the other way, passes it to a Saint, one of his teammates, and St. John's is the one that ends up with an alley-oop. It was, it was such a sick play on the road in overtime in a big-time clutch moment. So, yeah, I'm all about Shimori Pons. Shimori Pons is one of those guys that can single-handedly win you a couple tournament games. He's one of those guys where you look at your bracket and you say, mm, St. John's is straight up playing a better team, but I'm going to take them to the Sweet 16 because Pons is going to have one of those magical runs. Every single year, there's one or two of those guys that's going to be able to do that for you. Now, I've missed, I think, the past like three years, but Pons is one of those guys that could put a team on his back and get them to a Sweet 16. Side note, Georgetown versus... St. John's was, that was awesome because that evoked a lot of memories of even past, you know, even older big, big East games, Chris Mullen, Patrick Ewing, you know, you had, there was no Mac McClung, which sucked. I wish McClung played, but Georgetown was wearing these sweet throwback uniforms as well. It was just a great scene in, in the Hoyas gym. So, you know, I, I, I did want to recognize Shamori Pons and the Johnnies for finally being ranked because honestly, by the time we record next week, they're probably going to be unranked. Either. Yeah, but I, I could see them coming back. I mean, yeah, the Big East is not very skilled this year. Um, and I, I, has St. John's played Marquette yet? I don't think so. No, that that would have been a big time matchup. Whenever they do, um, I cannot wait to bet St. John's. Marquette just seems like the ultimate finesse soft as cool whip team they and score. St. John's is just going to, I know they can score. Um, I know they can score just like the LA Rams can score, but we'll see if it works when, when you're playing a team that's ready to punch you in the face. All right, moving on. Let's talk shop a little bit about the number one team in the entire country. Duke. They're finally playing road games. So earlier today they defeated wake forest. The, Oh God, wake forest. We might have to dedicate maybe five or 10 minutes at some point later this season to why Danny Manning should, should get his ass canned. But hold, hold on. Let me give me one second. I just looked it up. St. John's did play market beat him by 20. So, Oh, perfect. Yeah. All right. Continue. There we go. So Duke completely eviscerates wake forest and Winston Salem today. But I just want to talk shop about the fact that they were finally playing on the road. And then this upcoming Saturday, they're going to be in Tallahassee playing on the road as well. A lot of people have knocked Duke a little bit. I think it's really them just trying to find any sort of flaw or chink in the armor for Duke because they have been really, really dominant. And Zion's been such a highlight reel that people are saying, well, they haven't, they haven't even played a true road game. You know, they've played neutral games and obviously in Cameron this week, they're finally going on the road obviously dispatched Wake Forest, but I'm looking forward to them playing Florida State. Now, Florida State, they had a big-time matchup on the road against Virginia, and I thought they were going to keep it close. They got absolutely waxed by Virginia. But that said, I think they're going to keep it close against Duke. Duke's still going to win, but this kind of goes back to what I said in the first show where everyone is already coronating Duke after they beat the brakes off of Kentucky. And I'm here sitting saying, why, why are we already coordinating a team in college basketball? They've yet to go through any sort of gauntlet of their season. Obviously Duke's crazy talented and they're very, very good, but 
something to look forward to this week. And obviously moving forward, Duke finally playing road games and they're going to go into Tallahassee against the top 15 team. Yeah. That's why you can't get mad against top flight ACC teams for not playing road games. All right. This isn't college football. When you're in the ACC, you're playing a road game every single week and it's most likely against the top 25 team. So and this goes into this guy. I don't even know who the hell the guy is that doesn't rank Duke because they haven't won a road game. I'm sure you want to talk about that, but it's ridiculous. It, why, how, why should Duke schedule, you know, anyone on the road? I mean, they're playing these neutral site games against blue blood programs and that should be good enough, but you want them to schedule a road game like they're central Florida going up to play, you know, the university of Tennessee in football. That's stupid. And they're going to get their share fill a full load of ACC games uh, on the road for them to bump up their RPI, their BPI, their UTI, whatever the hell you want. I at the end of it. I agree. His name's Graham couch, by the way, the AP voter. That is not my boy. Look, I understand Graham couch is a huge asshole. Let me ask you this. Why are there so many goddamn hacks in college basketball? The game we love so much. It seems like the, vast majority of those that cover this game are such assholes it really is like it is like a petri dish cooked up in a science lab of just hacks over and over you got hack goodman you got this guy graham whatever his name is graham couch I, graham couch that's I mean, a perfect name for him too but I mean, that doesn't mean i don't like some of these guys i like a good hack you know if they're if they're entertaining i'm gonna like you for instance and a perfect example is dan dockage Guy's a hack, but he's hilarious. I love Dockage. In fact, I saw I saw one of the funniest tweets over the weekend um, with some guy. Some guy tweeted at Dockage, and he's like, "Some I don't even know who this guy was." And the guy was like, uh, "You know, hey Dan, my son, he get he always asks me, hey, is Dockage calling the game?" And my son's twelve years old. Yada yada yada. And then the guy goes on to say in the tweet. You know, I really think you're the Billy Packer of our generation. <laughs> so it's one of the greatest tweets I've ever seen in my life. So Billy Packer, man. I think back I love, love Dockage though. I love him. I, I hate Dan Dockage. I think back in maybe tenth or eleventh grade, I made a Facebook group titled Everyone Hates Billy Packer, right? I forget how many people actually joined that group, but that was back when, when Facebook groups, making Facebook groups were hot. But I digress. At the end of the day, Duke's finally on the road. Graham Crouch, huge hack. Uh, I think he is a, a, an asshole for leaving Duke off because if you just look at them for – just look at them for a five-minute stretch, you know they're one of the best teams in the entire country. And he's not going to put them up because he doesn't they, – they haven't played a road game, which is silly. Every uh, man last, has a code. That's, yeah, that's true. You should probably stop sticking. That's a terrible code to have. Lastly, I'm going to stick in the ACC. Virginia traveling to Clemson. On paper, this doesn't seem like that good of a game. But this very well could be a trap game for Virginia. They're playing incredibly well. Uh, they're dominating right now. They beat the shit out of Florida State, as I had mentioned, in Virginia. Kyle Guy had himself a game. But they're going to Clemson this upcoming Saturday, and I'm going to break down why I think it's going to be a close game. It has absolutely nothing to do with 
anything basketball related. As a matter of fact, it has everything to do with football related stuff. I think Clemson's going to keep it close in the first half because it is at home on a Saturday. The students are back and they're playing a top five team. So if they keep it close in the first half, what's going to happen is Dabo Swinney, Justin Ross, Trevor Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, all those guys are going to come out during halftime on the court and they're going to brandish their second title in three years. And that's what's going to propel Clemson to play extremely well in the second half. It's going to be a close game there in South Carolina, but I will still take Virginia to win. But I'm going to try and give you guys each week a game that looks like shit on paper that actually may turn out to be good theater. Yeah, I think Virginia is going to beat Clemson on Saturday, but for the wrong reasons that you just articulated right there. Virginia is going to beat Clemson on Saturday because Virginia is about to get punched in the mouth tomorrow night when they travel up to Chestnut Hill. Get out of here, dude. Shut up. Boston College always plays Virginia well. Look it up. They always do. They should have beat them last year. It was over. It was one of the actually the first ACC game. BC went down to Charlottesville, punched him in the face, and then the ref screwed him over going forward. And I, I don't know. I like the matchup. BC is a bunch of shooters. They don't, they don't give a shit. We don't play defense. You got nothing to lose. Nothing scarier than a man with nothing to lose. And imagine when you got you know twelve men on the team and five men on the court. It's a lot, that's a lot. A lot of things to not lose. So that's it for upcoming feet. Are you not even going to respond to that? No, it doesn't dignify a response. BC is not beating Virginia. They're not going to – it's absurd. It actually is insulting to me. I wish we could play back the audio. Uh, we don't have the technology for that, but the audio that you were telling me when Kansas went to Arizona State. I picked winners. All right? I was wrong. This is a winner. This is a winner. Okay. Why don't we play back the audio? I'm still – you know what? I'm going back and kissing my ass. Why don't we play back the audio when I said Alfred was fired? Because you know what's going to happen? Oh, what, I'm gonna what, get, a, what a bold stance. The, the much maligned coach at UCLA is going to get fired. Look, at the end of the day, I'm probably going to get the next 98 predictions wrong. But you know, deep down in places you don't want to talk about that I'm going to keep bringing up Steve Alford to establish my credibility. Well, it doesn't establish any credibility. It just establishes that you make not very bold proclamations. BC beating UVA, that's a bold proclamation. Arizona State beating Kansas – that's a bold proclamation. I'm out here picking, you know, throwing haymakers here, and I'm landing. All right. And Virginia is about to get landed in one tomorrow night when they come up to Chestnut Hill because nobody, and I mean nobody, comes into Chestnut Hill and pushes us around. That'll be the second time you hear this on the uh, on the podcast, which is, I mean, a lot of people have gone into Chestnut Hill both in football and basketball and and pushed BC around, but. That's it for upcoming feet. Without further ado, what we want to do is get you to this interview with Mike Surrett, a.k.a. the Providence Crier. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, we're now joined uh, on the podcast here by the Providence Crier, a.k.a. Mike Surrett, a.k.a. Wayne Soretsky. Mike's the creator of the blog aptly named the Providence Crier. He's a Providence College alum, a PC super fan, and an Ed Cooley stand, despite the fact that right, he hasn't won a tournament game. So I kind of don't understand why, why he caped so hard for the guy. But I'm going to dive right into it right away. Why couldn't you join us last episode? Can you tell the theater goers, a.k.a. our listeners, why you weren't able to join last episode? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me, by the way. It's an honor to be on the, the feet. 
but uh yeah so i was i was working and um pc was playing albany that day and you guys had asked me to go on, on the podcast and i was like oh sure absolutely why not and my roommate who you two are friends with uh he had my key to the apartment which he promptly lost after I let him borrow it. And turns out I'm at work and I'm like, ah, I shouldn't go to the game. I get out at six. I'm going to be late. And he tells me, oh, yeah, uh, well, I forgot to bring your ticket anyway. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll come on the podcast. It's great. And then he texts me, oh, shoot, the house is locked. I'm like, (laughs) damn it. So I was like, I guess I'm going to the fire game. And uh, saw us play the Danes, beat down the Danes. That was nice. But, uh, yeah, that's why I couldn't come on. I apologize. I mean, no need to apologize. I'm just curious. You guys didn't have a spare key. or How long did it take for your roommate to get a spare key? He still hasn't gotten the said spare key, actually. Uh, So what happened was he left his keys at the apartment over Thanksgiving and came to my work to borrow my key. And then promptly lost that key and still has yet to make a copy of his key. He's working on that. I mean, your house sounds like a goddamn circus. Oh, it's a mess, yeah. Kind of like the Friars, you know? (laughs) That's a good segue, actually. We'll get into the Friars here in a second, but I'm curious. Also, another good, funny story. Where did the Providence Crier come from? How did you get that that nickname? Okay, well, uh, PC made the tournament, I want to say my second year out of college for the first time. You know, when I went there, I worked for the team under Keno Davis. Those were some dark times. And uh, Great finally coach. made the tournament, <laughs> <laughs> won the Big East uh, tournament. So we got the automatic bid and we played UNC. And uh, so me and my buddies, we all lived in Austin at the time. We got a keg. We had a big party for the game, big viewing party. Hold on, and, hold on. Nobody, nobody knows what the fuck Austin means. Give, give uh, some context. That's a good point. Austin, Massachusetts, right outside Boston. Um, and so, you know, we're drinking, having a great time. PC puts up a hell of a fight, falls short, and I decide to continue to chip away at that keg. And uh, got a little blackout drunk, and friends of my roommate might have saw me crying that evening on the couch <laughs> in tears, tears streaming down my face because we lost the game. How old are yeah, you? The, 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 how old was I? Uh, t- 24. Yeah, 24. Uh, uh, it's yeah, therapeutic. So, so I guess that yeah, was kind yeah, of the, yeah. the, the foundation for the Providence Crier nickname. But I'm assuming you, you took that name and ran with it because you started your own blog. And you got to be the only blog out there that about six people probably read. Uh, devoting entirely to Providence basketball. Do you keep that puppy updated frequently, or what's the what's the updating levels that you got going there? You know, I've been criticized by some for skipping some games from here and there. But, you know, last year I was really on top of it. This year, you know, it's kind of tough when your team – disappoints you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, looking at, uh, I'm looking at the Big East standings right now. Providence coming in. Coming in as the caboose at zero and two, ten and five on the year. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a terrible start, but you know, I I try and contribute as much as I can. I added a new blogger this this year, actually, 
he's only posted like two times. So oh, I'm sure that, I'm sure that was a very uh, intense job search that you put out there. It was. It yeah. was. Sorry, you got to start cracking the whip, man. So you had you had talked about the fact that you were on the team, or excuse me, you were working for the team during the Keno Davis Keno Davis era. era. Any memorable stories from working with the team? Any memorable interactions that you had with any players of note? Yeah, I actually kind of have a funny story. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm four feet tall and I'm handicapped, but I like to have a good time. I like to get after it. In my <laughs> freshman year, you know, it, it was a senior laden team, but there was about six seniors on the team. And my brother, who's two years older than me, came to visit and we go, went into like the, like the upperclassmen bar that everyone goes to. And I ended up hooking, hooking up with this girl that apparently the whole basketball team did. You dog. They happened to be at the bar that day. It was a Saturday night. And I go to practice on Monday and they all start laughing at me and like, Oh Mike, you dog. <laughs> I can't believe you. And, oh, it was it was so embarrassing. Well, you're you're a part. Of, yeah, you're a part of the team, man. She's managers down to the ball boys all the way up. Yeah. To Coach Keno, everyone gets involved. Oh my god! Hold on. So, who, are you Eskimo brothers with like all of them? I mean, I, I guess. I mean, <laughs> all right. Um, I want to go back to the the game that you referenced where the Providence Crier was born because that was Bryce Cotton, right? The Bryce Cotton game? Oh, yeah. When he just literally put Providence on his shoulders in the same way that a guy like Buddy Cianci did back in the 80s and lifted you guys to a different level. Unfortunately, you lost. So really, your your highlight in the past decade is a losing effort against UNC. But the reason I'm bringing this up is strictly because when I hear the name Bryce Cotton, he is in the pantheon of names for Gus Johnson to pronounce during a college basketball game where he will just scream out, Cotton! and it's just, oh, yeah. it's money. It's up there oh. with the Sorrentines. It's up there. I, I, I can't think of anything else, but I'm sure that that uh, hit you on a, a good level back in the days there. So it's not even a question. I was just saying that. So, Sue, you got a question for the crier here? Well, I, I, I'd have to agree. We have to start a starting five or a list of names that aren't necessarily hysterical. So these aren't the all name team, but names that when Gus Johnson says it, it's just powerful. And you think of March madness right away. Cotton, right? Like, Oh yeah. Power, right in the kisser. Yeah. He, he used to go. That's cotton. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hey, where's Bryce cotton from? He's from Arizona. Yeah. Tucson, Arizona. Be a little bit more specific for me, Cryer. Well, I mean, why didn't Sean Miller take a look, huh? I think we were stacked at the point guard position at that point, but uh, (laughs) he he probably should have. Regardless, though, Surratt, I do want to dive in a little bit to the Big East here. It seems as if, obviously, Providence, underwhelming season. Knapp had already uh, discussed that, bringing up the caboose. But there's two big-time teams and one that's kind of shocked everyone, the Johnnies. St. John's ranked coming into this week. They obviously just lost to Villanova as we're recording this. Who's going to win the Big East? Honestly, I, I couldn't tell you. It, it's it's open as it's ever been. Um, 
you know, this year, certainly you have Marquette and St. John's as the top two teams right now. They're both in the top 25, but. Oh, 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 what about Villanova? I mean, come on. You watch Villanova. They're just a shell of themselves. I know, I know they beat us on Saturday, but it, it, there's something about them. It's just something's off. You know, no, the I'm Villanova sorry. machine. It, it, you know, along came Pauly. Come on, don't insult us. Are you kidding me? The scene where the late Philip Seymour Hoffman is playing basketball? No, I don't remember that one. Yeah, of course I remember that. Yeah. That is like Nova this year. They just brick all their shots. I think they shoot like 35% from three. We're talking about a team that shot like 40, like almost mid 40s last year. Uh, They're not the same. I'm telling you, Philip Booth's unreal, but that team is not the same. I'm not saying they're not the same, but the same would be literally the best team in college basketball. So obviously we would expect some type of a step back here. Uh, But I mean, they are sitting atop the big East right now. They are the defending champs. They have beaten essentially. I mean, they just played St. John's. They beat St. John's. So I mean, you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, the big East does run through Nova, but I'm just saying that I, I don't, I mean, they didn't win it last year. They ended up winning the conference tournament, but they didn't win the regular season. That, that went to Xavier. But um, See, you know, this year, I, I, no one gives a crap about the conference. That's that's a Providence trophy right there. That's what you guys are proud of. Those are the banners that you guys hang up in the dunk. Nobody gives a damn about regular season titles. That's all you guys ever discuss. And really, your ceiling, your ceiling, and this is – you guys have been good. You get the top recruits. You're – a six seed and maybe you win one game and then you go back and you talk about how great your uh, big East regular season championship was or your tournament run. Hey, no one cares about that stuff. Villanova cares about winning when it matters. And St. John's is a team that I think is capable of a run. I'm looking for teams that are capable of a run Providence. Um, you, you never have an offense. You can't produce it when it matters. You have one guy, you play the flex offense that BC ran in the mid two thousands it's smash mouth basketball and you got no skill again, not a question, just a comment. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, sometimes offensively it, it can be a grind, uh, but Cooley's built a team that's long, athletic, quick, the, the kind of team that you want to have, but unfortunately you really can't put it together in the term. I, I will admit that. Um, but we do have a win though. I would like to correct you. I, I was there. Uh, the play in. USC oh, at the that's right. in Rome. My bad. That's my fault. I, hand up. Hand up. That's a bad intro. You did beat USC. I should have remembered that as the Pac-12 guy. You should have remembered that because I, I fell off a golf cart the next game and broke my fist. <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? Did you hear that story? Uh, why don't you tell it to us? Yeah. Uh, I, I went to Raleigh for the, uh, for the NCAA tournament. I believe it was like two or three years ago and played USC first game. There was this very bizarre in Raleigh. It's like the, the arena's like in the middle of the woods and there's like no bars or restaurants besides this one place called the Backyard Bistro. So I go to the Backyard Bistro, you know, have some beers, have a good time, get over the game. They offered to drive me in a cart because it's a long walk. And I was like, oh yeah, sure, why not? I'm in the cart going to the game one. I think to myself, you know, there's nowhere to hold on to. Like I could easily go flying out of this thing. Next game, playing UNC. We're back at the backyard bistro. Have a couple pops, you know, getting ready to go back out there. 
guy, same guy offers me the ride. Sure. He makes a wide <laughs> turn around these cones, and I fucking go flying out of there. Land on my face in the concrete, do a couple barrels. Somehow I can like move and I like get up, blood pouring out of my face. And I wanted to go to the game, but the, EM, the, the Raleigh EMT like refused to let me not fix my nose. So. so you said that was the first time you played Carolina or the second? That was, that was the second time, which Chris so, bent that through. First, first time you cried. Second time you ate shit I off a golf cart. Fuck Carolina, man. If I were you, yeah, I'd seriously. be. I, they they should be enemy number one, not Rhodey. Carolina should be your number one enemy, man. Come on, Rhodey's. Well, they've literally given you uh, all. They've all they've not made you do is sweat, blood, sweat, and tears. They've done the two out of three. <laughs> like that, that's a fuck Carolina. I'd be pissed if I were you. I'm disappointed yeah. you didn't go to the game, man. You got to play hurt. You got to get I, in there. Believe me, I tried you and. The EMT was like, listen, your nose is broke, and if you don't fix that, it's going like, to stay broke, and like, you're going to be screwed. And I was like, oh, fine. It's a fine. Tough, tough EMT. <laughs> I know. Uh, Surrett, do me a favor. I'm going to put you on the spot. Assemble your all-time starting five friars. Okay. This is a good question. All right. Well, the problem is PC has so many guards that you know it's kind of tough to do, but what I will say is I'll start with a guy before before my time. God, sham God. Let's throw him in there. Why not? This team's going to be small. Let, let, let's just That's okay. That's uh, okay. So, yeah, we'll go we'll go sham God, and then we'll go Cotton at the two. Uh, at the three, Chris Dunn, obviously. He's playing a little out of position, but that's okay. He's like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, uh, at the four, we'll, we'll go LaDante Henton. Uh, the dog. Yeah, dog. Absolutely. East Lansing, Michigan. Uh, guy was just a bucket getter. Um, and then at the center, you know, we'll go Crozier. Yeah, Austin Crozier went to Austin PC. Crozier. Well known fact. Uh, I believe Arizona beat them to get to the Final Four in the lead eight. Another fun fact. But yeah, Billy, let's go with Crozier at the five. That's Billy a good start at five. No Billy Donovan on the team? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, we have so many guards. P- point guard college. That's PC. <laughs> <laughs> <Point guard> college. <laughs> All right. So here's a question for you. Because a lot of our a lot of the listeners to both, you know, theater and college basketball and the in the kind of umbrella website that we're under, the barn burner, most of them are from the southeast. Most of them, their knowledge of Providence College is when they show up on that six eleven uh, matchup in March Madness and they see you playing in the Madison Square Garden and the Big East Tournament and they see Ed Cooley with his pants ripped and they're wondering why he's got bald spots over all over his head and they look at this team and they like the kind of toughness with him. Sell yourself as the Northeast kind of traditional Big East college for people throughout the country to latch on to? Why should people that are not from the Northeast root for Providence over, you know, UConn or Syracuse or Boston College or any of those schools? All right, well, I'll say this. Um, in the Northeast, you've got a lot of good professional sports teams. Well, in the little state of Rhode Island, they got no, they got no one. I mean, sure, there's Celtics fans, Sox fans, Bruins fans, Pats fans, but at the end of the day, Providence College is their professional team. And the people, like, 
it's a small school, so you know they don't get a ton of students. Like the students do pack the game, but like you know undergrads like four thousand, so I mean, it's not a big school. Most of the fans are hardcore locals that have been watching the team since like the seventies, and that's why I think you got to root hard for PC because you got people just. Local people, blue collar team. That's province color. It, it sounds like it could be almost kind of a, a Memphis style when not the current Memphis team because that's definitely right. not the identity of the city. But when the Grizzlies, the grit and grind era, right there, when it was kind of a you know a toughness brand of basketball. But I mean, I know Providence College. What everything you're saying right now is total bullshit. But I, I appreciate <laughs> you uh, advocating on behalf of your team. Stay strong in your convictions there, Surrett. Uh, Province Prov is a lot more passionate than uh, those people up in Chestnut Hill, I'll tell you that. Uh, what are you talking about? I agree you with that, actually. No, nobody comes into Chestnut Hill and pushes us around, all right? Didn't Providence like the past three years? Other than IUPUI and Hartford and other schools like that, but not Providence. No, no, we couldn't win until this year. Yeah, they beat but, us this year. Oh, that's right. Whatever. But, when AJ Reeves hit that three to send the game to overtime, it sounded like a home game in Providence, but it was in Chestnut Hill. I will tell you that 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 kid can shoot. That kid's got a stroke. Yeah, a, and that's the reason why Providence is kind of is where they are. He's been out the last four or five weeks. He doesn't he doesn't belong at that school. Well, you got to get well, him somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> so, Surrett, you've given us so many good stories thus far. I want to ask you about one more. Can you tell us about the time that you got kicked out of Madison Square Garden? Oh, yes. I, I would love to. I, I had a feeling this would come up. Uh, yeah, so that same year, the same year the crier was born, really. Uh, province playing Creighton, title game, Madison Square Garden. PC needs the win or they're not getting in. Let's, let's be real here. So, you know, we're all ready for the game. We're having a great time. And, uh, you know, great game i have a bunch of beers but enjoying the game having a great time they win obviously cutting down the nets and they're selling shirts and hats and you know i want a shirt and hat we were witnessing history here so i wanted a shirt and a hat and you know she the woman i, I was like 20 dollars short or something for the shirt and the hat <laughs> and but paid enough for at least the shirt and so gave her the, the, the money I was missing. And she said I was, like, she forgot that I had paid her the other money. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. Like, I want my hat and shirt. And she would only give me the hat. And we start, like, arguing. And all of a sudden security comes. I'm like, oh, thank God, sir. And he's like, you get the fuck out of here right now. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me? He's like, you get the fuck out right now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Your employees stole from me. And they literally, again, I'm four feet tall. They literally security escorted me out of there. It was oh my gosh. Well, so did you get any merch? Yeah, I got the merch. Okay. He just gave it to me and said, "Get the fuck out of here." I was like, <laughs> "Listen." How many how many Bud Lights deep were you? Uh, we're talking double digits. I think that game for sure. <laughs> you know what? Funny you bring that up. Before that even all happens. I see Gus Johnson and I'm pretty hammered. And I'm like, gosh, like, gosh, like the fires, like they did it. And 
Like I said, I'm four feet tall. He probably thought, you know, I'm handicapped, but I'm not mentally handicapped. He probably thought I was a mentally disabled child. He's like, oh, hey, buddy. Like, how's it going? Yeah, like the fries. And his, his wife was there. And she's like, oh, like, how are you? It was unbelievable. <laughs> you just got the complete pity from Gus Johnson and your drunken stupor after you got Oh, my God, dude, yeah, that's Gus incredible. Thought, yes, Gus thought I was a mentally handicapped child, for sure. Have you been to any other games Gus. when Gus was uh, calling him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I went, I went last year. PC Nova, uh, the title game then, he, he was calling that one. Uh, I'm sure he's called a few others. I, I actually met Raph after a game in Providence. Was he, he as cool as he sounds on, on TV? Oh, yeah. He was the man. I, I asked him what bar he was going to. He didn't, he didn't tell me, though. <laughs> he was definitely going somewhere, though. I, mean, I wonder. For sure. I mean, you're a pretty recognizable guy once you see you once. And I imagine, yeah. I imagine if. <laughs> I'd like to think that somewhere Gus Johnson is preparing for his Saturday game. I don't know which one he's calling this week. And he's wondering if he sees Providence on the schedule, he's like, I wonder if I'm going to see that guy again. hundred <laughs> percent. I was just about to say that you're yeah, obviously easily identifiable. Yes. Yes. I, I, I can't go unnoticed uh, much at all, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope to meet him again, make a better impression this time. You're not like you're not like banned or anything from MSG, right? They don't have your photo up on the wall no, saying "Do I, not admit." I was I was kind of concerned about that, to be honest with you. I, I like I tried to I tried to walk around with, with my head my head low, but but again, I don't think <laughs> that disguised me much. Uh, but yeah, I, I made it. I think it could go. Surat, any uh, any home games <clears throat> you're gonna you got circled on your calendar there? Um, I mean, Nova was the big one. They, they yeah, actually, one. hold on. Can, can we rewind? Rewind. Okay. I'm going to make like New York does. And I love New York. Rewind. What the fuck happened against Villanova, dude? Because I am all out on Nova. Let me actually rewind even more to the conversation that we were having about who's going to come out of the big East last episode. <clears throat> I, I quit on Nova. They're done. Completely done. They were even down to St. John's, who's a good squad. I like St. John's. They were down to them 13 today at home. And I thought the other day that you guys were finally going to beat Nova. And actually, I thought you guys were going to do it pretty convincingly. I'm hot on the clicker. I got NFL playoffs going on. Also, great college basketball feat. And I see at halftime, the game is basically over. So I didn't even bother watching a second of it. What the hell happened? Oh, the province probably played the worst half of basketball I've seen them play in the longest time. I don't know if you were watching that NC state UNC game, but Providence literally pulled an NC state in this Well, I should say NC state pulled a Providence where they just went scoreless the first five minutes and let the score get to 16, nothing or something like that. And yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Nova is not that good. Uh, Phil Booth, great player. Uh, I like him. He's got some stones, but other than like the pieces around him, it's just not the same. And uh, Providence actually ended up going on a 16-0 run of their own in the second half and cut the game to four points. And again, they had no business even being in. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think Nova's that good. They've eked out all three games, DePaul, Providence, and, and now St. John's today. I mean, granted, they won, but 
Yeah, I'm not very confident in that. Well, this was more on Providence because I, I got to figure, Surrett, if you're going to strike and beat Nova, this was the time, man. You had him at home. Sure. I, I don't know if they're going to be vulnerable again next year or the year after that. Obviously, Archie Diacono has given you complete fits over the past few years. So I just thought this, the, the climate was perfect. All the elements came together for a big-time Ed Cooley PC win. Listen, we beat Villanova the two, the two times they won the title. We split with them in the regular season. So we, we have beaten them. But, yeah, I mean. It's a good it nugget. A total, it, it, they totally shit the bed in that game. There's, there's no question. Cooley after the game, I don't know if you saw this, but he, he said, you know, yeah, if you're not going to play with grit and toughness, you might as well transfer from my team right now. So, yeah, it's not good. Things are falling apart. You guys never should have let Rick Barnes leave leave Providence. We'll talk about a big-time coach. That's a fun fact for people that didn't know it. Rick Barnes, first big-time head coaching job was Providence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but they were good then. I'll, I'll admit that. Uh, and then, you know, he left and they replaced him with Tim Welsh, uh, who we fired Tim Welsh, and the guy gets the job at Hofstra. Night of gets a DUI, gets fired the next day. <laughs> Is he just celebrating? I guess, yeah, right. That's pretty good. Unbelievable. It's a hell of a way to go out there. And now he works for like a local Boston, like like talks about the Celtics. <laughs> Jesus, Christ. Oh, that's good. That's good. Surat, did you see actually the Butler head coach the other day channeled his inner Ed Cooley and had the towel wrapped around his waist? Yeah, it was a bunch of bullshit. I was going to ask you now. So do you, do you like that? Do you find it that, you know, this, these other teams are taking our head coaches swagger? Is it bullshit? Yeah, it's absolute bullshit. Like, listen, like find something else. Like cool. He's got the Gatorade tells that that's his thing. If you rip your pants, like go pantless or something. Like, I, I don't know. But like, don't do the towel thing. Do something else. It's that easy. All right, I'm going to let you go on, uh, on, on this last one, Surrett. This is a, seri- a semi-serious question. At what point or when do you think Ed Cooley is going to be on the hot seat? Like, when is that towel going to start heating up a little bit, do you think? It's not going to happen. There's no way. I actually think the crier prophecy is actually 2020 Final Four run. So, so you know, we might have dropped the first two games in the Big East now, but next year – you watch. I, I is, think it's the year. Is that just like complete, ar- completely arbitrary, or are there moving pieces that led you oh, to no, that no, assumption? No. Uh, it's it's a little bit of both. Uh, you got you know two of PC's really good guard. PC has three freshmen. Starts three freshmen. So, uh, and two of the guys are ESPN top twenty uh, fifty players, and they'll be sophomores. Our leading scorer now, Alfred Diallo, will be a senior. We're a young team, and I think, you know, we got a decent we, – we got a kid coming in who's pretty good. He's, like, top 75. Not a great recruiting class, but the young pieces that we have not now, they'll get older. And, you know, like I said, Alfred Diallo, that guy's a beast. So, he'll be a senior, and I'm telling you, I, I think that's the year. We get off the schneid. 2020, Final Four. That's bold, baby. That's bold. That's easily written down. This, I mean, actually, we don't even have to write it down. This is in the archives right now. Surrett, I want to have you on 
multiple more times. And actually, come 2020, at this point, uh, we're going to have to have you back on and see how that prediction's faring out, okay? I'm in. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Thanks again to the Providence Crier for joining the program. You can read his blog if you just Google the Providence Crier. I think it's a WordPress blog. But definitely read his blog. It's great stuff. And you can also check out his tweets at Wayne Soretsky. I'm going to just spell this because, you know, no one's going to be able to spell that out. But it's Wayne, S-U-R-E-T-Z-K-Y. Thanks again to Soret for for hopping on the program and giving us some pretty historical stories. Yeah, I, go go to this guy's website. Just don't – I'm not even telling you to read anything, but literally just go to this guy's website. It's incredible. And it, you know what? <laughs> Stay there for a little bit. Read a little bit more. The guy cares. This is this is he is the demographic. You know, someone that just gives a shit about his team can tell you who Kevin Pitsnoggle was a long time ago. That will know who Taylor Coppenrath was. That that's what we're making this show about. So Providence Crier is a perfect example of that. And if any of you are out there, if one of you are a diehard, you know, Creighton Blue Jay fan or a Georgia Bulldog or anything like that, let us know and we'd love to talk to you. Absolutely. All right, Shark, last segment before we, before we sign off here. This Week in Feet. So this week in Feet in 2011, I'm probably going to go to hell for this, for laughing at this, because this guy was just – he was a big, jolly head coach, and he's no longer with us. He passed away in 2012, Rick Majerus. But this week in Feet 2011, St. Louis coach Rick Majerus gashed his left leg on the scorer's table after colliding with two players and missed most of the second half of a loss to Bowling Green on Saturday. Majerus left the bench when the wound began to bleed profusely in the 67-61 loss and spent the remainder of the game getting treatment in the trainer's room. I'm not going to read the whole article, but Rick Majerus, man, a hell of a coach. Like I said, big, big, jolly guy. Went to a Final Four with Utah, actually. With I believe there was Michael Doliak, Andre Miller, Keith Van Horn, maybe. But you want to talk about, actually, Van Wilderhouse as it pertains to Rick Majerus and St. Louis? You remember Jordair Jett? Of course. But, again, he, he wasn't good for long enough. Yes, he was. Nah. He was, that the Dokens made the tournament, like, one time, man. They were there for, like, two, two three nah. years. I remember Jordair Jett. He had... He, that guy had a fat ass, and he used it on the court. He could really move it, and he was a point guard. He's a good ball player, uh, but he he's not eligible. You got it. You got to be consistently making me ask. Holy crap! I remember you were there like ten years ago, and you're still playing. That, that's a Van Wilder. Fair enough. But I, I appreciate the Rick Majerus thing because you talk about college basketball and your earliest memories of you know, really latching onto the sport. And for me, it was that Utah team. Yep. I mean, I, I can go back. I, I can remember like Eric Montross, North Carolina leading into the Ed Coda year and all, all that stuff. But Rick Majerus was just seeing that guy on the sidelines. That's something you don't forget. And, uh, I, I like, I really enjoyed him as a coach, rest in peace. Um, everything that's great with the game. I changed I'm sure he changed a lot of young men's lives. And, uh, Andre Miller too. Oh, great team, great team. Look, only on theater and college hoops are you going to get a Luke Schencher and Rick Majerus and Jordan Jet name drop. 
All right, guys, that's all we got for you today. Once one more time, I want to thank Surrett for joining us and uh, close curtain.